Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I'm Flatman11. I'm joined here today with Kiwi Chris 1709. How are you going, Kiwi Chris, this fine Australian evening? Oh, this fine Australian evening before Australia Day. Damn yeah. excited because we've got a massive race coming up. Woo! Yes, that's right. We are talking about the Premier GT3 race held in Australia, the Bathurst 12 hour. And like we say this every single year, this year. It's just going to be ridiculous. Like, we're going to be seeing 32 GT3 cars, brand new cars in the Invitational class, brand new cars in the GT4 class, and a smattering of international and local talent. Oh, oh, yeah! That's basically some yeah. of my thoughts. And that's pretty much my thoughts as well. It's even bigger than last year. And last year was epic. Last year was epic. Like, I mean, look at the people who aren't here from last year like <laughs> and we're still saying that this is going to be bigger and better than before like one of the names oh just to just to segue into what we're going to be talking about one of the names that isn't here is Bernd Schneider but we're still saying that this and year's this year's quality of field is better than last year's quality of field <laughs> which is nuts mm. although to be fair he is still here as a as a consultant well, there you go. Hey, all, all you need is someone in the Mercedes garage to go, oh, hey, Burnt, you want to drive? And you know what? <laughs> He'll jump straight in and put that car on pole. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're already fangirling about this event. But we should actually, for the people who don't quite know what's going on, and I'm sure there's like maybe four of you in the audience who don't know what's going on at this point, <laughs> uh, the Bathurst 12 Hour is the probably... You say maybe the second or third big endurance event of the year. Um, it's held, of course, at Mount Panorama Bathurst, Australia's most widely known motorsport track. Uh, you, you, it get it has the reputation for being like Australia's answer to the Nordschleife or the Spa Francorchamps, or it's it's like in that tier of of track like mm. uh, prestige. And I mean, when you look at the track map, it's not hard to see why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's Australia's answer to those tracks with the prestige, the uniqueness of it, the complete insanity of it being when, when it was built. Yeah, because you've it, been there. You've been there. I've been there. We both stand on the track and just go, "Wait, people race around this? What the hell?" Yeah, like we we um we say we say it every single year. Uh, this this track was a scenic road back in the sixties, and the 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 mayor of the city said we should race cars here as a way to promote the scenic road and it's still it's still a quote unquote scenic road it's still a uh public road that people drive on and people live mm. on on this track um but they close yeah they close it up three weekends a year for the 12 hour the six hour and the 1000 and <laughs> like the the, the the fact that they do this every single year and that they've they've been given the autonomy to change the track and to make it uh, into a premier motorsport facility basically out of what was a scenic road and like the profile of the track is ridiculous (laughs) it's what 170 meters of elevation from top to bottom something like that yeah there's like one 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 and six (laughs) 
and for and for those for those who can't get wrap their head around like that sort of numbers, so one to six in gradient change is at the dipper. So what that means is that for every meter you go, uh, every meter you go down, you go six meters across. And functionally, that means that if you're standing with your feet about shoulder width apart, you're looking at like a fifteen centimeter difference in in uh in height. And this is high enough. This is enough of a drop for cars, the GT3 cars, to get up on three wheels going through the dipper. And I've like I've taken photos of it last year and the year before of like the BMWs and the Porsches because they're so stif- stiffly sprung with their inside wheel cocked up like a Mini Cooper, uh, heading down the dipper. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and it's oh it. And also combine that with the close walls, the fact there's no margin for anywhere, anywhere. Mm. You know, you've got you've got your massive long straight, which leads into the fastest corner in Australia. Yeah, Just and we've seen plenty cost. of action in there in the last few years. <laughs> yeah, it's an unforgiving place. It's an amazing place. It's a place steeped in history. I love it. Mm. And steeped in history is definitely the right way to put it. Cars have been racing here since 1963 in a 500 uh, mile format in a uh, 1000 kilometer format of course for the V8 supercars and the Australian touring cars and then if you look towards the the this event it used to be a 24 hour race for production cars it used to be raced by things like um, Mitsubishi Lancers and Holden Monaros mm. and then over the course of history it got shortened to a 12 hour race and then it was allowed for amateur GT3 entries and then the GT3 quality started to pick up so they opened it up to pro mm. GT3 entries and one of the unfortunate consequences of that of course is the fact that it's kind of pushed out the production car roots of this event so the the organizing body realized this and then gave the production cars their own event the the six hour <laughs> which is in uh april this year um and easter weekend w- yeah easter weekend and on one yeah. hand it, it's very sad to lose that sort of production car flavor from an event like the 12 hour but on the other hand, Bathurst isn't something like the Nürburgring or Dubai, for example, where you can have the, that those sorry that number of cars on a track and sort of get away with it. It's not large enough like the Nürburgring, or there's not enough runoff or width like Dubai for mm. cars like GT3s and touring cars and production cars to race on safely. And I think the last year that they did this was 2015. Yes. yes, that was the first last year of um of the production of a non. Cars. Yeah, no, sorry, production cars. Yes, twenty fifteen was the last year. The yeah. little Fiat's. Yeah, and that uh that race had a record high number of safety cars and caution flags throughout the race because it had gotten to the point where the GT three teams and drivers were too fast and too professional for the the production cars to be able to safely navigate the track and a lot of those incidents were caused by faster car and lower car traffic and like as i said before it's it sucks that we don't have them anymore but yeah it's not the nurburgring this was a public road so it's narrow like a public road it's bumpy like a public road it's cambered and there's walls everywhere there's no runoff and so in order for the event to proceed safely they had to make that change and honestly 
it has allowed the 12 hour to grow in such a way that it's become one of the premier GT3 events of the world, not just of Australia, mm. but of the world. Yes. I mean, you've spoken to a lot of drivers uh, in your time in the paddock the last couple of years. Yeah. How many of them have said, I wish I came here earlier. I wish I'd driven this car earlier. Uh, about 100%. Yeah, <laughs> one one in particular. I remember um, Oliver Jarvis last year. I asked him last year what feels faster, an Audi R18 at Le Mans or a Bentley GT3 here, and he's like, "Oh, I like his eyes just lit up, and he's like, oh, the Bentley here it just feels like you're on the edge of your seat every single lap for twelve hours straight.' And th- like that's that's how it is. Uh, like you you get a small break, yes, when you're going down Conrad Strait, but because of the undulation, because of the camber in the road, because of the way you have to steal your yourself to go into the chase you don't really get a break on this track and Mm. it's not like say spa where there's you know hard corner complexes but there's a bit of a straight between each of them it's once you hit uh griffith's bend uh turn two you are like inches away from the wall on both sides all the way through to forest elbow for about a minute and a half and then you get 10 seconds of rest, then you go, oh, crap, I've got to turn right now. 300 k <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And just hope that everything stays together. They hope you don't lose a wheel. Yeah. Hey, Fabian. <laughs> uh, poor Fabian. Um, so, so yeah, Bathurst is, is a special track. And I implore you, if you're in Australia, definitely. But even if you're thinking about making the trip to come to see the 12-hour event, if the if the prices fall your way, if you've got the 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 money behind you, if if the Sorry. schedule if the schedule all works, make sure that you come and experience this track because there is there is literally nothing like it anywhere in the world, and I don't think any driver would argue with that statement at all. Mm. And the best thing of it, of all, there's no bad viewing spot for the spectator absolutely right absolutely right this is perfect because i was just going to ask you what is your favorite place to watch the race because you've been you, you and i went together in 2016 you've been to the 1000 as well mm-hmm. where where yeah. did you enjoy to watch the race from oh most of all i enjoyed i love the cars coming through skyline just the bend before skyline just yeah. off the throttle a bit let a dab a break swing it left come right out to the curb beautiful it is pretty sick um I yeah. especially like when they come over the hump at McPhillamy. So McPhillamy is the mm-hmm. uh, corner right at the very top of the track. If you come over the hump there, the car gets light. But at that point, you have to be braking and turning. So you get this awesome moment where everything's lifting up and then compressing down. And I got some fantastic photos last year of the cars at dawn spitting sparks out with low pressure in the tires and body roll. And it just looks phenomenal there at dawn um but i think my favorite place to take photos from which is slightly different is uh when they come over skyline and head down the s's because the elevation change there does all the work for you and can get some fantastic (laughs) photos you can can make an amateur photographer look like a professional at that point (laughs) yeah that's why your photos look so good (laughs) i wasn't going to say anything but (laughs) but yeah that's pretty much just driving towards the edge of the cliff that better track yeah, basically, yeah. It's just like that's why they call it skyline because you look ahead mm. and there's just sky. But that's not the but that's not the only awesome place. Like we've been to the top of the pit building. We were there in Quali when Gizzy did his two hundred one, and that was an amazing place to just watch the cars fly past. Yeah, and seeing him hang it out over the core, uh, the the curb there in that mm-hmm. last corner was an awesome memory. Um, 
and like it was just so unexpected we were walking past the pit uh, like the top of the pit bay and the security guy went hey do you guys want to go on the roof no why, why would we do that <laughs> and, and so we next spent the next hour just on the roof and like literally on top of the pit bays it was it was awesome um the awesome thing now is that's a bar so anyone can go up there anytime hell yeah man, hell yeah, man. see yeah. australia australians we know how to do it properly <laughs> <laughs> So, so there are some places on the track that you can't get to, though. But still, so so we're talking about there's a residential area. So people people live up Mountain Strait and Conrad Strait. So you know they're people's houses. So they mm, actually have wineries and hotels. Exactly, they actually have to close the track um, in the middle of every day, except for race day, so that way residents can access you know the town and everything. So there's like an hour and a half break in the middle of each day. Um, but I know this for a fact, Kiwi. Your favorite place on the mm. track, um, in terms of the the actual lap, the track lap, isn't over the top of the mountain like it is for me. Where whereabouts is it for you? Oh, the chase by far. <laughs> then why is that? It, well, you just got cars coming down Conroe Strait doing two seventy to three hundred if they're not a Maori. The Daytona will be doing three twenty. <laughs> That's terrifying. It's terrifying as you're coming to the fastest corner in Australia and possibly the world. You just swing it as far left as you can, then hard right. As soon as you're straight in the car, hard on the brakes, blowing it up, trying not to overshoot the corner, hanging left, getting accelerated, going right down the hill into Murray's. And then on, off to Watching do it, it all again. Watching the cars that's the pits. Off to yeah. do it all again. Now... I didn't realize how uphill that entire section is. That like it, it gets masked on TV, but when you actually hit the apex of the chase, it's slightly downhill, and then the entire braking zone pretty much is uphill. You and so it's actually I didn't realize how late you were actually able to brake there in a GT3 car, at least because you have the assistance of going uphill. It's it's those sort of things that you don't really understand when you're just watching it on TV. Like, sure, you can sort of see it, but to actually feel it under your own feet is is something different entirely. And that's why we see so many moves into that part of the corner. You've got the hill assisting you mm, to exactly. wake the car up. Same thing we saw at Newcastle with the V8s last year. Yeah, definitely. And for those, for for any GT3 or endurance fan who uh, may not have seen a lot of V8 supercars, you definitely need to watch the Newcastle race from last year because that's probably one of the best races I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so access at the track is phenomenal. Yeah, we in 2016 got a general admission ticket, and I did the same last year, and I'll be doing the same this year. Uh, general admission ticket. Um, camping at the top of the mountain and once you get up to the top of the mountain you have access from the exit of the cutting turn four all the way across the top um, down to forest elbow so there's an artificial hump mm -hmm. that runs along the entire length of the circuit so you can actually get above the catch fencing and take some awesome camera shots and it's just a f phenomenal viewing angle of the entire track and it's entirely open there's no grandstands there's no obstructions you can see everything to your heart's desire and and it's just one of the best spectator experiences in the world mm. well one of the places we went we went when we walked around to just before the cutting the hill was very steep but you were so far above the cars it's crazy mm. 
you can basically see on top of the cars at some point like yeah. when yeah. they when they get down to metal great which is the just the part before the hump of mckill mcfillamy you can the cars are so loaded there that you're actually basically looking on top of the car yeah it's almost like you could if you fall over you're going to fall onto the car <laughs> <laughs> so okay, that, we, that idea. We've, we've talked around the track so far but i feel like we we need something a bit more robust to take us through this 6.213 kilometers of hallowed australian tarmac so let's take a ride aboard shane van gisbergen's pole lap uh with mclaren back in 2016 so this part actually has a visual component, so I'm going to need to you to go to YouTube and search McLaren 650S GT3 claims Bathurst lap record, and we're going to watch the top result as it comes up. Okay, you ready? Start it now. We're going to take you on board a lap of Mount Panorama Bathurst behind the wheel of McLaren 650S GT3. Our pilot today is Shane Van Gisbergen, and we're looking at a lap from 2016 where he set a 201.286 in qualifying, the fastest lap at the Mount Panorama circuit. Exiting Murray's Corner, you're on the main straight heading towards 6.2 kilometers of Bathurst. Harden the rev limiter in fourth gear as you turn in for Hell Corner. Pick up the throttle really early there because the traction control lets you arrest the wheel spin and get the power down as quick as you can. Coming up mountain straight now, you want to get as much passing of traffic as you can done here before you start getting over the top. Right in sixth gear as you come over the hump and you can let the GT3 cars go all the way to the 100 board before braking. Get the car all the way over the camber on the right and use the bowl to shoot you out as early as possible on the throttle. Traction control really helps you arrest the wheel spin here. Light breathe of the throttle through this kink at the cutting and then harden the brakes, second gear through this sharp uphill corner. Uh, traction control again helps you on the change of direction as you exit towards Suleiman Park. A little breath on the throttle here just as you come over this hump, so you want to make sure the car stays really nice and stable. Another little breathe of the throttle coming up as we come over this little rise before metal grate and then just the lightest dabs on the brake before McFillamy. The GT3 cars are really stable through here. Coming up to Skyline now, hard on the brakes, over to the right, use the curve on the left, over to the wall again on the right as you come through the dipper and bang, you can feel the car drop as you hit the dipper there. Power down towards the uh, last part of this section, Forest Elbow, great opportunity to pass traffic, but you've got to be careful the, wheel, uh, the understeer here. You can see the car skate on the front wheels, but you've got to make sure you get the traction down really early for this. Conrod Straight, the longest straight in Australian motorsports. The GT3 cars actually run out of breath pretty early here, and you might see some of those smaller class cars, like for example, the Daytona Sports Coupe, catch up to them before the chase. Get right out to the left over that apron, flatten the throttle all the way here until the 150 board, and you're braking uphill into the chase. Get all the way over that curb on the left and pick up the throttle really, really early. Let the traction control control the wheel spin over that change of direction on the right-hander. And now you're coming up to the last corner, Murray's Bend, the lowest point of the track. Hard on the brakes, use the curb on the left, get the power down over the curb on the right. You've just completed 6.2 kilometers of Brathurst in 201. And isn't Shane happy about that lap? So so that lap, that lap we just listened to, is the fastest closed top lap of Mount Panorama Bathurst in history, that 201. Uh, and like watching that lap is just a visceral experience every single time. Like I, I don't mm. understand how, how that's even possible. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems to defy physics. And I do love his little woo at the end. Yeah. This puppy, and you can, when he knows he's done an amazing lap. 
like, oh, wouldn't you? If you set a 201 around Bathurst, a lap record around Bathurst, wouldn't you be freaking excited? Like, damn. Yeah. I'd, I'd be like, hmm, I want to crack this jar of whiskey open, but I've got to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> wait till the end of tomorrow. Um, so that was, of course, the yeah. year that uh, he won that event uh, as well. So mm. that was a big year for SVG. And we'll talk a bit more about uh, SVG and what's going on with the drivers a bit later on. Um, but I feel like we should talk a little more about the ex- experience of the Bathurst 12-hour weekend. So uh, a lot of a lot of people would know Bathurst foremost for the 1000, for the V8 supercar race. But the 12-hour is, uh, I'd say it's an entirely different sort of feel to the event. Would you agree? I mean... Oh, yeah. You've been to both, so I mean, you I've, have first-hand been... experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I went to the 1000, though, I was down in the grandstand. I wasn't brave enough to go camping. Because at that time, it was a law unto itself. You had people burning cars and furniture and you name it. They were burning it up the trip. That's why there's rules saying not to bring any cars for burning in the conditions of entry. Well, then. I mean, you know, also also the fact that it's like the middle of the Australian summer and it's a total fire ban. But, you know. <laughs> and that's why there's a limit of a slab of beer a day per person. Uh, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. <laughs> but it's um, but the twelve hour, it's a bit more family friendly. Uh, when we were camping up, there was a, you saw a lot of kids riding around their bikes, you know, riding down the hill, kicking footy around. It was fantastic. I was gonna say you you get a little bit of the element of those people who just come up there to be a, you know be loud mouth bogans, I guess. But it's nowhere near like the thousand. And like you know, that's basically like everywhere in Australia, there are going to be. Bogans, because you know exactly. it's Australia. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it it is it is an a interesting mix of like the classic Australian motorsport scene and the international flavor that comes with having all these GT three and uh, like sports car guys around. And we get a we get a really interesting what that causes a really interesting mix of cultures. And then you add to that some of the the more quintessentially Australian things, like for example the mixed class support series. So uh, so the one that we loved last year and that got broadcast around the world last year uh, was the improved production uh, series where you had uh, XV8 supercars versus uh, like modified tin tops and like old Corvettes and tube frame uh, like uh, what would you call it like Trans Am cars and then and a a Honda Civic and then a Honda Civic yeah um, so if, uh, the, the people's hero of last weekend, uh, last year, sorry, was Jordan Cox, who drove a Honda Civic to third place in the improved production races by being an absolute madman over the top of the mountain. <laughs> Just making passes where you never make passes ever. Not if you want your car in one piece at the end of it. Exactly. And, uh, it was, it was awesome to have the likes of Richard Crail commentating on that to the world audience and seeing the response that that race got it was fantastic like he won the most uh sorry the most surprising drive for the uh, the r/wc awards <laughs> yes it, it just shows how much international pull he's had and how viral his video was i guess exactly um and then on top of that you've got some really cool things like um competition coupe which is a lot more trans am and like rx7s and old Corvettes and like heading even further uh, you've got things like the Australian Touring Car Masters for this year I think which is like 
Australian muscle car royalty in a race series. Uh, and <laughs> and and the cars are actually basically the old cars done with new new equipment. Yeah, it's it's the the classic Australian touring car feeling with the added safety of modern equipment and cars that don't take seven hundred meters to break. Ah, <laughs> uh, classic classic reliability. Um, but yeah, you see you see things like Tiranas, you see old Monaros, uh, XB Falcons, those sort of things, the real legends of Australian motorsport. And I hope that they get broadcast around the world again, like they were last mm. year, because. It is just a special thing to to hear these brutes fly around the mountain like they yeah. used to back in the day. It's just amazing viewing. Mm. Um, every time they're at the thousand, which they have been for the last few years, it's fantastic. And it's a great nostalgia trip because a lot of them would do the old school liveries as well. Yeah, and that's that's yeah, a beautiful thing to see as well. The the old liveries, the the history of the event being brought to a new audience. Hmm. You want some good news? Jordan Cox has got his Civic ready to go for Bathurst again. Yeah! That's going to be awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing about Bathurst, which you may, which may be foreign to certain parts of the world where the weather's a bit more, um, shall we say, variable, is that in February in Australia, it is hot. It is obnoxiously terrifyingly <laughs> dangerously hot yes. so that's something that the teams and drivers and the fans need to be able to contend with because we have seen cars just burn up in the heat i think what was it last year we had a mclaren engine basically exploded but somehow they managed to continue and finish the race in fifth position like sure okay, okay because you know sure why not and I think warm temperatures are expected again next weekend, so it's going to it's, be a... It's February brutal. in Australia. Of course, warm temperatures are going to be expected. <laughs> <laughs> True. This is coming from a guy who had 42 last week. Yes. Yes, 42. And that's in Celsius. That's not in, not in like, weak units. That's in, that's in proper that's like, 42 is hot units. <laughs> yeah. That's like 105 in stupid units. <laughs> I love that we just keep saying that. Um, but anyway, so so that's something that the cars need to contend with. It's something that the drivers need to contend with. It's something that the crews need to contend with. And it's it's hard for the fans as well. Like, we, we, we don't mm. joke. Like, it is hard work to sit there up at the top for 12 hours. And, you know, if you are going to the event, firstly, I'll see you there. Secondly, make sure you stock up on water and sunscreen because it will... Yes, it, please. It's potentially um, a medical emergency. Yeah, the Australian sun is hotter and harsher than it is a lot of places around the world. And it's not just me saying that. People from, like, international sporting communities have said that. So if you are coming, mm. make sure that you are prepared. <laughs> Please. Yes. We've only, uh, we don't want to lose a fifth of our fan base at the race. <laughs> and, like, and, okay, yeah, we, we are maybe dramatizing this a bit, but people have been dragged out of these cars semi-conscious before and it's mm. not even it's not even just um in in hot conditions either like last year at the bathurst 1000 there was a, a driver tim slade whose cool suit failed and this was in like muggy conditions but wet conditions so it wasn't necessarily all that hot but he started overheating in the cool suit because it was basically boiling him and he made three or four mistakes in the last five laps of the race where like 
it was obvious his uh, aptitude to be able to drive the car was suffering because of the heat. And so you will see maybe some more of the amateur guys who are internationals not used to this sort of heat that it, it will force them to make mistakes. And mm. so, and that's where the pit crews need to be on top of the game and realize and recognize those signs that, oh, this driver's lagging. We need to get him in the pits now. Mm. Unlike then, what happened to Tim Slade at Bathurst. Yeah. And I mean, in that particular case, the, the team left it up to the driver until it got to the point where they were like, no, we need you to come in now. So if you're coming, make sure that you are prepared. Um, and also, make sure you're prepared to meet some GT3 royalty as well. <laughs> but you have a great story about this. Yeah. You tell a lot, but it's yeah. so applicable. It is, it is a great story. So the best part for me personally about being at the Bathurst 12 hour and seeing the, the clash of the Australian talent and the international talent is that everyone knows the Australian talent. Everyone mobs the V8 supercars drivers because they're people that they know. They're the faces that they recognize. They're the heroes of the local motorsport. But what that means is that for someone like me, whose biggest um, series are overseas in these international events, the drivers just don't get recognized. You can they, they walk through the paddock like they're no one. And like, you can just, if you see someone, you can just go out and talk to them and they're so vibrant and they're so happy to be recognized and they'll just give you so much of your time. And uh, one particular example is uh, last year, um, Mark Lieb and Marcus Winkelhock, you know, the, at the time, LMP1 world champion and the, you know, Audi factory driver who went on to win the Spa 24 hour last year. They were just standing by the edge of the, the pit box just having a chat and i like went up to them and was like you guys are mark lieb and marcus winkelhock and they're just like someone recognizes us what <laughs> <laughs> um and and the other story which is fantastic is uh there was Bernd schneider who was standing around outside the scott taylor motorsport uh garage i just went up and started talking talking to him so this is mr dtm has won everything that there is to win in sports cars seven-time dtm world champion mercedes driver into his mid 50s and like we were there for 10 minutes just chatting about you know what he thought about the track and if he was uh you know how long he was going to be racing for and those sort of things and then um he you know he had another commitment and had to step away and uh after that two guys in uh like the triple eight red bull racing gear the v8 supercars team came up to me and went he looked pretty important who was that guy <laughs> and you resisted the urge to slap them well i took it as a learning opportunity i was like this is probably <laughs> this is probably one of the most important people in world sports cars uh so yeah and they're like oh wow that's really cool so i i i i, I was able to sort of teach them <laughs> I took pity guide them, on them. <laughs> to the ways of sports car racing. Come here, younger part of one. Yeah. Uh, so, so you do just have fantastic access to some of the the most uh, amazing drivers, and not just drivers, but also the team owners as well. Like, uh, and the and the crews. Like, the, I think remember the year that we went, we went through the pits when they were bumping in, and we were talking to the mm. factory McLaren guys from Woking who were here for supporting the cars for Techno Autosports. Uh, last you year, were fangirling out over that. I, I I was a lot. Um, yeah, but not as much as last year when uh myself and Stealth uh WEC uh one of the guys on the subreddit uh went and knocked on the media center door and just casually asked, hey um, 
Could you please grab the guys from Radio Le Mans and Richard Crails and see if they've got a moment? And they all came out and they all signed our posters and had a bit of a chat with us. And it's like, <laughs> hey, we're doing a meetup later tonight. Come along. And just like, these guys are at work and they're still so happy to engage with the people who mm. recognize them. And so, so, again, another reason to come to Bathurst, come and just meet people. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I love about our community. It's small enough that it's niche enough that everyone just sort of has time for everybody. Exactly. It's fantastic. That's that's one of the more unique things about this event in Australia as compared to other events around Australia where the V8 supercars are the main bill and everyone's getting hounded. Um, another thing that's unique about this event in terms of a sports car endurance aspect is that it starts before dawn and runs towards sunset. That's not something that you really see in sports car racing. Normally, it's like start in the mid-afternoon and run overnight or start um, in the case of, for example, the, yeah, uh, in the WC, the old Coda event, start, you know, in the twilight and run towards midnight. You don't really see an event where it starts in darkness and bursts into light. I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, TV loves it because it means they can get finished the race and do the presentation to go to news. This is and, true. And the residents love it as well because they're not having racing around their places until like 19 o'clock on a Sunday night when they want to go to bed. These are both true things. But it, what it does add is it adds a point of uniqueness to the event. And it adds um, – yeah. it really does – like the TV thing can't be understated. The Bathurst 12-hour is on a free-to-air tw- uh, free network in Australia. That means that anyone can watch it. You don't have to yeah. buy a, buy a subscription for it. So anyone can watch it, and it means that like the the network in Australia that is hosting the event is actually advertising it and pushing it, and it's billing it as the top Australian talent versus the best of the world, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. And this is how you get people into the sport. Mm. I mean, I've been seeing lots of ads for while watching the tennis. It's fantastic. Mm. And uh, so, so yeah, it's it's how you get people into the sport. You have a unique calling card, and on top of that, mm. watching the cars for the first hour or so in complete darkness, and then as the 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 sun creeps over the hills to the east and begins to bathe the track in sunshine, it's just phenomenal to see how because you can actually see the behavior of the mm. cars change as the track begins to warm up, and yeah. like as I said. The, the Mercedes last year were sparking around uh, McPhillamy Park because they had low tyre pressures and the track was cold, but that stopped over the course of the race because the tire pre- the track warmed up, the tyres mm. warmed up, and it, you, being able to see that in vision like with your own eyes is just ridiculously cool. It's, it's amazing. And it does mean two other things as well. One, the fastest lap times are normal. You know how every track has a happy hour and yeah. the track's just warming up. It happens early on in the race. Yeah. The second challenge it brings is dawn is a notorious time for kangaroos to be out and about. And at Bathurst, that's a real problem. Yes. Yes, indeed it is. And we had a safety car not... We had a safety car last year that was only for a very brief period of time that also coincided with an incident on track. But the year before, there was a uh, a mob of kangaroos um, that was just mm. south, of, just down the hill from McPhillamy Park that they had to, they had to neutralize the race to sort of chase them away because... If a car hits a kangaroo, goodbye and car we've seen it plenty. and goodbye kangaroo. And we've seen it plenty of times at Bath the 2000, and I've seen it personally with my own car. Yes. Now, that was a scary experience, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. And I'm only doing 110 on the freeway, and suddenly this kangaroo coming out of nowhere in the darkness, and suddenly 
goodbye. Mm. Goodbye, car. Goodbye, kangaroo. And, and goodbye, $1,000 excess. And imagine if that's going across the top of the mountain at 240 kilometers per hour and a kangaroo jumps out of the darkness. Because it's dark at the top of the mountain. There is no light yeah. at all. There is no, the only light you get is the flashing yellow lights at Skyline when there's an incident down the hill. Mm. That's all you get. That's a, that's a definite point to look out for. And it will cause an interruption at some point in the weekend. Because Australia, right? <laughs> basically yeah the only bad thing about having the race start before dawn is like getting up at four in the morning just do what i say people the people next to us did when we were camping up there don't sleep <laughs> that was a wise idea I mean, yeah they i don't think they made the start of the race mm. mistakes, <laughs> the finish. Were made. mistakes were made um yeah. so yeah that's that's basically have you got any any other things that you want to talk about the sort of feel and the sort of uniqueness of the event or do we do we get to talk about the cars now uh, let's go to the cars. Let's um, talk about people the cars. Need to the, people need to experience the units of the event for themselves. Yes. So, at the moment, um, we've kind of lost a few cars out of the entry list at the moment. At the moment, we we were looking at one point of 61, uh, 61 cars in the entry list. Um, that's with 32 GT3s. That's chopped down just a little bit on the current entry list. We're now down to 53 and uh, mm-hmm. twenty and twenty eight GT three cars, so yeah. literally more than half of this field is the top class of car, which is not exactly disappointing, is it? Let's be honest. No, not even a little no. bit. <laughs> <laughs> this is the sort of quality that that, that this event attracts. In those uh, in those twenty eight GT three cars, we have factory teams from McLaren from BMW, from Audi, from Mercedes-AMG, from Porsche, and from Bentley. On top of that, you have car privateer entries from Lamborghini and and all those other marks that I've mentioned already. Mm-hmm. So that's and, a crazy and got field. Team, and you've got teams like Team Schnitzer BMW, WRT coming out for the first time. I can't believe that it's the first time WRT have been to <laughs> Bathurst. Like That just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> They've finally gone. Oh crap! There's a race we haven't won yet. Let's go win it. Yeah, basically. Um, you've got <laughs> yeah. you've got Manti here. You've got Audi Sport Customer Racing. You have the uh, Stracker Racing. Craft Bamboo. <laughs> uh, They're back. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's so cool to see that Craft Bamboo team back again. You have got even teams like Black yeah. Swan Racing from of uh, IMSA and um, uh, Nurburgring fame, I think. Or is it just IMSA? Mm. Am I just making that up? Uh, you could be making that up. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at their lineup, I might not be. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> no, they're into, We'll get to that they're in a second. Um, on top of there's on top no, of an ab- sorry to jump over you. On top of an absolutely bumper GT3 field, we have a healthy GT4 class for the first time. Like we saw, I think about six or seven GT4 cars last year, which was pretty cool. But this year we have new car, the new BMW GT4, the new Porsche GT4, KTM are coming back with two cars, and we've got a swarm of Genetas as well. So we have an actual an actual GT4 class to watch. Yeah, there's ten. There's ten of them, and there's some big names racing around in that GT4 class as well. And we'll get to that a little later. Um, but finally, yeah. uh, the the class that I like the most, and this is saying something, <laughs> the Invitational class. So, okay, I'm not actually <laughs> kidding here. In the Invitational class, it, the Invitational class calls into three categories. Uh, one, uh, production invite, which hasn't gone out this year, and the production invite is no. sort of a way to 
uh, was a way to keep Bath the 12 hour with its production roots. There was a BMW um, M5, I think, that used to race. M the M M335, that was M335, the winner of the production car race a number um, of times. Yeah, so it was one that raced in the Bathurst 12-hour when it was still a production car race and it was invited back year on year, but it hasn't come back this year, which is a bit of a shame. Um, the other two categories of the Invitational class are the Daytona Sports Coupes cars, uh, which are fantastic. And, yes. and they've got two this year. They have two this year. They have both of their, their special cars. They have the competition mm. coupe, that, the, the Viper competition coupe that they built, um, which they raced last year and it they looks ridiculous. It's got like the exhaust pipes out the side, spitting smoke, soot all over it. It's fantastic. V10 engine. <laughs> and let me tell you, you can tell it's a V10 when it goes past. <laughs> and the second car that they're bringing along is their famous Daytona coupe car it's a uh car designed by the the guys who built the old coupe in the 60s that went and raced at le mans and by gosh it's faster in a straight line than the gt3 cars it will be overtaking the gt3 cars into the chase it has tires thinner than a road car that won't get changed throughout the entire event and it sounds phenomenal <laughs> it sounds it's basically six on where was that sound? It, there's no other way. There's really no other way to describe it. It is truly a car that harkens back to the glory days of the '60s in sports cars. It is that cool to see, and I am yeah, I am so excited to see that again. And and the last, I'm just hoping it has a bit of run this year. Then it yeah, definitely. Uh, it has had a lot of reliability problems, which is why it didn't come last year. Um, but the last car, the last group of cars. Uh, in that invitational class are the Mark cars. So if you've been watching a lot of more niche endurance events and the Bathurst 12 hour, um, but even in things like the Creventic events or uh, the, the Bayer 24 hour, you might have heard of the Mark cars. They're basically bespoke chassis uh, hatchbacks uh, with a, like built for endurance racing. They're, they're endurance kit cars with a stonking great, Coyote V8 engine from a V8 supercar plonked in the middle of it. Because Australia. We just like to do things overdone, basically. Hell yes. Hell yes. Yeah. But the best thing is, there's actually a subcategory of Mark car this year. Ooh. Tell us more. You've got... Well, yes. So you've got the you've got the original Mark cars, your Focus and your Mazdas. There's five of those. Uh, yep. Looks like there's it. three. Yep. There's three that have been dubbed Mark two. Oh, yes. These are basically, yes, these are the same V8 principle, the same sort of chassis with a Mustang body. And let me tell you, the Mustang body looks awesome. It looks terrifying. Oh, it looks... It does. It looks like... <laughs> it looks like you combined... Um, it looks like the, the Lamborghini designers designed a Mustang. That's what it looks like. <laughs> basically, yeah. It's and mental. it's going to sound... It's going to sound just as phenomenal. Yeah. Now, those original marks, they were aimed at the endurance market and overseas and trying to sell cars there. This new model, I think they put their sights firmly in the domestic market. I don't know. If I was if I was a team like, say, I don't know, I don't know any sort of like kind of really, really niche endurance teams, but if I was a really, really niche endurance team and I wanted to race something that would draw attention and also last 24 hours and be a hell of a fun 
time racing it. I would totally buy one of those Mark Mustangs. Oh, so would I. But it's also, I think, them because they use a lot of supercar parts in this car. So I think it's them saying, hey, supercar teams, you don't want to hold them? Look what we can do. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I guess. But I don't know. Mark Haas for me screams endurance and also, you know, screams V8. So I'll be, I'll be very happy to see how they go. If they do run into problems, I'm going to mm. be a bit less excited. But the fact that they look mental... And they've got the same V8 supercar engine. Oh, it's gonna be. It's gonna. Oh, I'm so excited. And they and they put and Mark's put their best drivers in those cars as well. So they're giving them every chance of success. Absolutely. There's a lot of uh, local Australian talent uh, coming up through like the Formula Three ranks in those teams as well. And uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, it'll be it'll be really cool to see how those cars go. Of course, they're in the invitational class, so they're only racing against themselves. But there's a lot of pride for those guys, right? Yes, and there has been a rule change this year. Oh, really? With the invitational class, yes. They used to have a minimum lap time, which I think was two minutes seven. Okay. That's gone. Yeah, boy. That's nice. I like they can, that. They can go as fast as they want, and these cars are about GT4 pace when they're let off the taps. And they're going to be rockets up and down the straight as well. They're going to be outstripping oh, yeah. the, the GT4s in a straight line. Um, we'll see how they go over the top of the mountain. Let's talk about, so we've been hyping this up as like the best of the local talent meets the, the, the international, like international four. So we should talk a little bit about that. We should talk a little bit about the drivers that are coming to grace these shores for this race. Just a, just a little bit, eh? And we'll start right up the top. Bentley, uh, Bentley M Sport are bringing along their entire factory setup with their new GT3 car. And all six of their factory drivers. Well, six of their factory drivers. Yeah. Just, you know, they have, they've been so close so many times winning this race. They wanted to take it home finally this year. And I think this is their best chance they've had. I, 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 I want to say, I want to agree with you, but there's just so much quality up and down the field. I, 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 Bentley, oh, Bentley I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm, not, I'm not saying that they're going to win it. This is just their best chance they've had personally. I, I disagree. Now, I'll tell you why I disagree. Firstly, Bentley always seem to find a way to lose this race, and they tend to lose it in weird ways. One one year, they were in the prime position after... This was the year that they were, like, detested amongst the field for bumping everyone off all day, and they got bumped off in the last part of the race, and so everyone was like, well, y- you get what you give. Um, but two years ago, they had one car basically disintegrate. Last year, they had one car barely make the start with problems, and then another car get involved in an accident. They just find ways to to struggle at this race, and I'm not sure why hmm. that is. And on top of that, there's been one driver change over the from last year to this year, and that is the loss of Oliver Jarvis. He's not doing this race, um, which is a shame because he made very strong mention last year of loving this race. Um, and like they pulled in Jules Gunon, who's been uh, Adag GT Masters winner, uh, championship winner. I mean, and he's definitely not a slouch, but I think the I, I think he's not at the same level of Oliver Jarvis. And of course, you know, this race is as random as a GTD race in IMSA, mm. basically. But yeah, which he, and of course last year he came second at Daytona in GTD. Mm, definitely. So and, like, I, I mean, I can I I can see why you say that this is their best chance, but I don't I don't agree. I don't think that 
and especially with them being in a brand new car i i'm not sure if they got they're, they're debuting the new car this this race or they're it's the last one for their last iteration of the gt3 and but Probably the last one of the previous iteration. Yeah, in either respect, you've either got A, a car that's on its last legs with very minimal support in terms of spare parts and engineering development, or B, a brand new car in its first race in anger getting thrown to the the wolves. So I don't... Mm. But remember, Jules Gunnan also won Spa 24 last year. Yes, he did. In an Audi, though, with Haas and Wickelhock. Yes, he did. So I I always find it difficult to put my hat behind Bentley in this sort of in in this race. I mean ev- everyone else can, but I'm not going to at this stage. That's because you're a fanboy of other teams, I think, more than. I mean, yes, but also, <laughs> like you only have get to- off, bud. Come on, <sighs> shut up. Uh, <laughs> but like, even if you look just at, just at just at Audi. Just at Audi. In the pro class alone, you have three Audis with another pro am class, a pro am car that is basically a pro car. You have the <laughs> likes of Blank Pan Sprint Series winners, Robin Fryens, Stuart Leonard, partnering with Dries Vantor. You have Australian V8 Supercars legend Garth Tander in a car with. Um, Nürburgring 24-hour winner Kevin Vanderlinde and Frederick Verwisch, one of the top-level uh, Audi GT3 drivers at the moment. You have Christopher Meese, Christopher Hasse, and Marcus Winkelhock in a car together. If that isn't overkill, then what is? If that yeah, isn't overkill, well, <laughs> then what is? I feel yeah. like I feel like Audi have got a little sick of the BOP in in at this race, not favouring them, and they've just come out with. Every single bullet they've got in the barrel. Basically, every every bullet they're following it up with a nuke, with a tactical nuke, <laughs> and just to be on the safe side, a few six six shooter guns. As well, well done. You got there in the end. Yeah, did put my teeth back in. Yeah, and and uh, like especially in the case of Christopher Meese and Christopher Hasser, a they've raced together plenty, and b they've raced here plenty as well. Christopher Meese is actually a former Australian GT Series winner. Um, when he did mm-hmm. a series here down in uh, 2016, I feel like he raced the series um, in in that category. Was it with? I'm not sure. Oh. Either way, he won the championship because Audi was like, "Here, go to Australia and win this championship for us," and so he did. And then in that in 2015, team as, that was in 2015. In that team as well, you've got Garth yeah. Tander, who has almost logged more miles here than anyone. I feel like there's one person in the entire field that has done more laps around this place, and I'm probably wrong because you could say that there is two, <laughs> or even three. Like I'm even looking down the list, and I just see more and more Australian motorsport legends that have raced at this track. And even so, he's bloody. As much as we may dislike him as a person, he knows how to drive this track. He's done it for almost 20 years now. Exactly. And experience at Bathurst absolutely cannot be discounted. It's Experience at Bathurst is more important than at other tracks. Definitely. Because you've got, to learn, you've got to learn how to slide your car just over the middle grade enough that you don't kiss the wall, but you make the most time. You've got to learn how to slalom it down to the elbow. You've got to learn your lines, and you've got to can't, Stuff it up by a millimeter because you will hit concrete. Mm. And concrete versus car, 
results in concrete win winning every single time and a team yeah. that had that happen to them last year was one of the bmws the walking horse bmw um who was a like mid-sized team from uh germany who came all the way to this event and then uh hit the wall in qualifying after being hit by another car and weren't able to take the race they they were out of the race before it had even started because that is how punishing this race is um on the note of bmw though they have Again, two pro entries here this weekend. Uh, they have uh, BMW Team uh, Schnitzer with, featuring Augusto Farfus, uh, Marco Whitman, and Australian uh, uh, BMW slash V8 supercar talent, uh, Chaz Mostert. Now, we say BMW talent as well because he has done hmm. a fair bit of racing in, B in that BMW in the past 6 to 12 months. Yes, he's been winning races in Asian and Series. Okay, imagery there's a three-car field, but he's still winning them. And he's not just winning them like in a, in a small amount either. He's there. That team is easily the class of the field. Mm. He's racing in Macau last year. He finished fifth at Macau last year, and this is against the likes of Robin Fryens and Christopher Haase. Though you know those sort of quality drivers. Mm. Yeah, I mean when they weren't busy having. Project Cars 2 or Forza. It was a great race. <laughs> uh, yes, definitely. But the other, and the other BMW has got uh, has got definitely got a team that's capable of winning as well. You've got uh, Australian motorsport legend from an Australian motorsport legendary family, which are actually New Zealand. <coughs> yes, uh, Steve, <laughs> Stephen Richards. You have a former F1 driver Timo Glock. And Philip Ang, a factory uh, BMW driver. So BMW are another team that are putting a lot towards this. Hmm. And Stephen Richards, it's his own team. He's done pretty all right in Super GT, not Super GT, in GT. Now he's to get out the car. Hmm. So that's that is one to definitely be reckoned with. Yeah, and in an experience around the track. Yeah, exp and you talk about experience out the track. Stephen Richards has it in spades. Um, he has yes. won here three or four times, I think. Mm-hmm. I want to say three. We, we talked about it in the Bath in the Thousand podcast. He's, between him and Lounsey, they've done like 40 Bathurst combined. Yeah, and that that is a ridiculous number when you put it in perspective. Like, Craig Lowndes and Stephen Richards have almost been racing at the Bathurst 1000 longer than I've been alive. Yeah. 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 Now, now I feel young. <laughs> that just, that just sort of show, that just show, sort of shows the longevity that these these teams and drivers have. Um, and we saw the BMWs being very strong in the early part of last year, but they all ran into problems. Not all of them mechanical, though. No, no. Mm. They had. It was not a great race for them, but no. they were strong. Chazzy was winning, wasn't he? Yeah, the, the, in, in, the, in the early parts of the race, the two BMWs were consistently within the top four, often in the lead, mm. um, up until about hour three. Uh, then, with the conditions changing slightly, they started to drop back just a little bit, but that's when things also started to go wrong for them. I think there was contact with some slower cars. One of the cars had a mechanical problem, and I think there was, like, the three cars the BMWs brought along. Uh, I don't think any of them kind of made it to the finish. No, they did not. They were all gone by halfway, I think. Mm. Which is a shame. But yes. I still think... Look, I can't. I, I don't want to say that 
these teams are going to win, but they're going to be competitive. And yes. often enough at Bathurst, being competitive is good enough at least to get you to the to the to the last hour. And then the last hour it all kicks off and who knows what's gonna happen. <laughs> yes. And that's the that's probably critical here more than any other race. Just getting yourself to that last safety yard. Mm, definitely. Because uh, we have seen, for example, 2015, where getting to that last safety car can pay dividends. Uh, does the does the name Casamasa Chio ring any bells, anyone? Godzilla? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's just a pity on, they're not here this year. Uh, just, yeah, on that note, they are, Nissan have... Uh, because they couldn't homologate their new GT, GTR in time and they didn't want to race the old GTR, they've actually decided to not race this year, along with, surprisingly enough, the reigning champions of this event, uh, the um, Marinello Motorsport car, uh, the Ferrari. So there is no say, factory Ferrari at this event. You say surprisingly enough. I think it actually makes sense to not here because Marinello Motorsport at this event is basically triple eight. I mean, and they're, what are they, they're off busy, busy building... ZB Commodore. Uh, uh, yeah, when you put it into context, it's not actually that surprising that the team that is focused entirely on building all these new chassis for the V8 supercars is not going to put the same amount of priority on the the Bathurst 12-hour. But on the flip side, they are the reigning champions. They were absolutely, impossibly the class of the field last year. And it just... It does mean that you are losing a, a a little bit of quality from the field. Like we we talked up Tony Valanda's stint last year immeasurably because it was just the best stint of the entire race and arguably of the entire year in sports cars. And we're going to be missing mm. seeing something like that again because they're not here to to, to yeah. race it. That's true. I mean, the drivers are spread around, but. But again, it's it's I it's, the, it's the it's the Australian drivers in that team that were spread around. The Tony Vlander yeah. and the Mikasalo, they're not here no. because they're not in a Ferrari. Yeah, and that is a loss. Mm. On the flip side, though, one of the big gains from from the entry list compared to last year is the first appearance at the Bathurst Twelve Hour of Maximilian Buch. Oh boy! Oh boy, indeed. Uh, he's driving in a pro Mercedes AMG with um, uh, Maximilian Gertz as well, and Alvaro Parent, uh, former. Well, I, I don't know. Is he still a McLaren factory driver? Because there's McLarens I here, think he, and he's not driving I think, them. I think he became a Strakif driver, which is why he's now the Strakif Merc. Yeah. So you put you put. Maxi, Maxi Book, Maxi Gertz, and Alvaro Parent in a car together, and that is. That is a scary team. Yes, it's a scary team in more ways than one because it's Strecker's racing first outing in the Mercedes, I believe. Yes, yes it is. And after their races last year in a McLaren, I'm a little, I'm a little, little uh, about, about Strecker on the whole, but you can't go past the quality of the drivers and you can't go past the quality of the car as well. I, I, um, Mercedes are giving this like a full factory, uh, works sort of, um, support as well. Oh, yeah. So the fact that you've got, like, I can't, I, I honestly can't believe this is Maxi Book's first time at Mount Panorama. It's phenomenal. A driver that has got to be left out for so long. I, I, I don't think so. The only, the only other driver I think that has missed this event 
much like that is like I don't even know. I, I, I legitimately can't think of anyone else who anyone else in sports. Scott cars. Dixon, there you go. <laughs> I mean I guess, yeah. It is basically but, yeah, in his own backyard. Yeah. But he's he's busy. He didn't answer my question about whether he wanted to race the Bathurst thousand. I'm annoyed. Whoops. Um, that is the only that is the only pro uh, Mercedes in the field. There is another one on the entry list currently listed as a pro, but it is definitely not a pro car. Um, and I, yeah, no. And um, that car has a, a few interesting names. We, we might as well go through it now. Um, that car yeah. has is the um, the Sun Energy One racing car from IMSA. Basically, it's got Kenny Habul, Australian. This is his first time doing the one thousand, partnering up with Tristan Vortier, his uh, regular co-driver in the states, along with uh, Raffaele Marchiello from the uh, Blank Pan Endurance and Sprint Series, and current V8 Supercar champion Jamie Winkup. So you put Jamie Winkup in any car in this class and it's going to be competitive. Um, the only question is, uh, can Habul keep it competitive? No. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. He's just... This car is going to look amazing. I don't. It's going to be, it's going to be done up exactly the same as the car is Daytona. It's Which, going to look amazing until it loses a body panel somewhere. And, like, we are being just a little unkind, but... Uh, I, as far as the pro am quality of the team goes, I still don't think, even with Tristan Vortier and Raphael Marchiello and Jamie Winkop, it would be a contender. But I don't think it's one of the top tier contenders in that pro am class, which we'll talk about a little later on. Yeah, um, and I think, and I think it's a complete waste for Jamie Winkop to be in this car. I hate to agree with you, but I do. I, I really do, especially after he's he was in the the winning car last year, and that was his first GT three race by the way last year. That was his first GT three race at all, and he's gone on to be in a part of the team that won the twelve hour. So for for him to sort of, I guess you could say, get relegated to a car, a car that's in a pro am class, which may or may not have the the strength to really be competitive in that pro am class. Yeah, nah. <laughs> And reading his Wikipedia page doesn't give me much confidence either. Is this Kenny Habul? Is this Kenny Habul? Yeah, he um, he's finished his best. He raced. He's raced fifteen races in Xfinity. He's finished forty fourth. Mm. He's um, his page about his achievements in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship last year talk about what Tristan Vautier did. That makes me a little sad. So, well, I mean, there were stretches where he was in good positions, but it's a matter of being consistently yeah. in good positions for long periods of time, and that's the problem. Mm. Um, I mean, and, and he's also friends with Boris Said and Paul Morris, so, you know. Oh, okay. No, I think it's time to move on from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Moving on to the next sort of group in the pro class is probably my... Well, it's, let's be real here. It's the car that I'm going to be definitely following 100% because it is the YNA Motorsport McLaren, uh, McLaren factory-supported team uh, featuring uh, Comb Ledegar, Blank Pan Endurance Series winner of 2016, Craig Lowndes, uh, very, fam- well, very, very, very famous Australian motorsport driver, uh, as I've already mentioned, has been racing at Bathurst longer than I've been alive, and, of course, Mr. Shane Van Gisbergen. Woo! <laughs> Waving the Kimmy flag. So this I'm... is this is not the first time Shane Van Gisbergen and Comb Ledegar have driven together. This is not the first time Shane Van Gisbergen and Craig Lance have driven together in the same team. So really, 
it should just be all nice and dandy. And of course, the McLaren we have seen has been super strong at this event in the past, winning in 2016. Uh, came back from a lap down to come fifth last year as well. Mm-hmm. So exciting times. Exciting times here in McLaren. And I'm, fan. and I'm really excited to see how Lanzi goes in this car because I reckon it'll suit his driving style perfectly. It's very much just about getting the turn in correct being yeah. super smooth and like powering it out on the exit it's not it's it's one of those cars where you can really turn it in super early which Lounsey really really likes and we've already seen mm. how good shane is in this car and how good coma is in this car so this car is definitely a contender yeah and their program entry is no slouch either no, their pro-am entry is one of the most exciting pro-am entries and also one of the most publicized pro-am entries as well because you have these triple eight guys in Lowndes and Van Gisbergen in the pro entry and then who have we got in the pro-am entry? Ah, oh, some kid named Scott McLaughlin, whoever he is. We got, yeah, Scott McLaughlin, the driver who was their direct competitor for the championship last season in the V8s, that is. So, yeah. That is that is a, that, like I, I'm I, I'm struggling to wrap my head around how these guys from the, all these different teams can sort of come together and be in the same teams when they're just on opposite sides of everything. It's going to be crazy. And in that car mm. with Scott McLaughlin, you've also got Fraser Ross, uh, a young uh, a young driver in the McLaren program, along with Andrew Watson, who's a another McLaren factory driver who I think is like on the kind of cusp of being a, a gold a pro driver. And to mm-hmm. just top that off. Um, where is it on the entry list? Uh, you got uh, Alexander West, who is something that uh, someone that I actually don't know anything about. I did look him up actually, because I was interested in this car because I know Fraser Ross is going to drive the pants off it. He's actually a really talented driver who hasn't had a lot of luck um, in the Australian GT series. Alexander West, I think I saw him. He's a, as an American, maybe Pirelli World Challenge. Okay, cool. That's a series that I actually haven't looked into too much, unfortunately. So. If he's able to get a shot at Bathurst coming off Pirelli World Challenge, then hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Oh, there we go. International GT Open as well. Oh, okay, cool. So he would have raced alongside alongside the likes of Seiko Ledegar and um, Alvaro Perrin last season then. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's good. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that I am sad about with these McLaren teams is that there is no Rob Bell uh, here for the Bathurst yeah. 12 hour, which yeah. is a real shame. It is, but I suppose... They don't really have the factory support this year as much as they have in the past. Yeah, this is true. YNA, is a, YNA being a local uh, entry, supported by Techno, I believe, in the engineering area. But but Techno have Techno run like four of these cars in the uh, Australian GT series. They've won this event before with support from McLaren. So it's not like having a Techno partnership doesn't mean you have a, uh, a factory support because. Techno is basically the Australian McLaren team. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, and then to round off the pro class in, in, in its entirely, you have two ridiculous teams. Like, we were talking about Audi <laughs> being overkill beforehand. No, no, no. This, this is overkill for Porsche. This is stabbing the corpse of a dead body. <laughs> yeah, this is, like, absolute overkill. You have Manti Racing... Bringing along a 911 with Romain Dumas, Frederick Makovicki, and Dirk Werner in one car. And that's not even, <laughs> uh, like, that's arguably not even the best car. In the other car, in the 991, you have 
Earl Bamba, Kevin Estra, and Lawrence Vantor. Let me say this again. Let me say this again. This is overkill. (laughs) (laughs) They're coming to they're coming to dominate our little country town race. Yes, yes, they are <laughs> basically, and, and and like we we say, this is the top of Australia versus the best of the world. And when you talk about the likes of Romain Dumas, LMP1 world champion, Earl Bamber, winner at Le Mans, Kevin Estra, winner at Le Mans GTE, Frederick McAvicky, Dirk Werner, factory Porsche drivers, Lawrence Vantour has been billed as one of the best GT drivers for the past three seasons, like. As far as as far as international experience, this team has it in spades and in clubs and in hearts and in it's, everything in diamonds as well. Um, and even the Jokers. And even the Jokers. I mean, they are pretty much Jokers. Lauren Vantor yeah. affectionately calls El Bamba Bam Bam and gives him stick on Twitter for it as well. <laughs> I love Basically. it. And El Bamb is so highly regarded that Triple Eight are bringing him in for the Enduros. Yeah, he's going to be driving with Shane Van Gisbergen in the Enduros this year. So that how's that for an Antipodean team to beat? To use uh, use a turn of phrase by our good friends at Radio Le Mans who aren't actually our good friends. Yes. <laughs> so so yeah, that car's going to be super stupid, 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 stupid strong. Stupid strong, yes. But the question I want to pose at this stage is how much do you weight local experience at this track versus the international prestige? Because there is an argument to be made that, we, we said it earlier, there's an argument to be made that track experience at Bathurst is almost more important than it is anywhere else in the world. It's almost worth more than it is anywhere else in the world. Would oh, you, yeah. um, would you as a team owner, pick up a local talent in a pro car over someone like, say, a Maxi Book who hasn't ever raced here before, or a Bernd Schneider who's only been here once or twice but has won basically everything else there is to win? What I mean, what sort of decision do you make in that case? I mean, you do have to weigh up, you know, how good is my local talent. If it's someone like a Craig Lowndes who's been around the block 20 times here, then no-brainer, you go for them. Mm. Just because they know, as I was talking before, they know where the pitfalls are. They know where they get the time out of their car. If it's someone like, you know, Luke Yielden, then you might be like... (laughs) Luke Luke Yielden is a Bathurst 1000 winner, a recent Bathurst 1000 winner, and someone who has raced here more than 10 times. In both the V8 supercars and the development series as well. So he's definitely got a lot of experience and has been coming off recent good results. But And I think it also comes down to, are you marketing this race for your team to try and be the draw card or are you trying to win the race as well? And I think there's some teams that are going the marketing route more than trying to win the race. What what team, any of the pro teams doing that? I don't think any of the pro teams are. Okay, then. Well, I... <laughs> that, that argument, that, I think that argument can be said for some of the pro-am teams. I'm looking yeah. at you, uh, Trofeo Motorsport. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit. All right. On that note, though, I am surprised that there isn't more of the V8 supercars drivers or the Australian GT drivers in that pro full pro class. Like, you look at it, there's, what, 12, 12 cars, three drivers each. There's 36 uh, drivers in that class. 
And of that, you have Garth Tander, Craig Lowndes, Shane Van Gisbergen, and Stephen Richards as your... Oh, and I guess, seeing as that car's listed in those 12, Jamie Winkup as well. So you have only five Australian slash New Zealand uh, r- drivers in that class. I would have expected there to have been at least eight to ten. And Yeah. Is it a question of teams that are coming here bringing their top drivers more often, having them have more experience at this racetrack, becoming more of a positive to force out the V8 supercars drivers? Or is it just there not being enough spaces in the pro class to really give the the, the big billing local talent enough rides, basically? I know what you mean. In the pro car, I mean, the pro class does seem a little light on. And... Drivers like Guy Smith and Stephen Kane have been here, what, four years now? Yep. Even, so even they'll be further cont- down, Lawrence Vantor has formally won this in 2012. He's been racing here that long. Yeah. So they'll be thinking those drivers by now will know their way around the track. Yeah, I, I guess that's a, that's a good argument. Oh, I missed Chaz Mostert in that as well, so we've got six. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, Chazzy. But you, you, say that, you say Chaz Mostert, he's only been racing around this track for, what, five, five years himself? Yeah, but he's also taken a victory at this track. Yeah, well, that was a race no one wanted to win. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Um, so, okay, so we're at this point. We've gone through the pro entries. Who's going to win? Uh, ugh, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to pick all year. I think the 991, the Craft Bamboo with Bamba, Estra Vantor is too hard to beat. You make good choices, my friend. But at 58, with Gizzy, Lounsey, and Lidegar, the YNA McCarran, oh boy, that's so tempting. It really is. I feel. I feel like if it's going to come, if it's going to come to a fight to the death at the, the end of the race, it'll be between those two teams. But I also mm. really do like the look of the 37 team, and and the 56. The the thing that worries me about the 56 is that uh, you Strack is running the Mercedes for the first time. Book hasn't been here before, which which shouldn't be a problem, mm. but Bathurst is its Quite own fast. beast. And and they're not driving a small car around, they're driving a Mercedes, which is bigger than anything is more likely to hit a wall. Uh, except for the Bentley. But also, you know, we, yeah. we, 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 we say this, but Alvaro Parent won here in 2016 as well. So, mm. like... And the Audis have never had a favourable BOP here, but maybe that's going to change. Who knows? Who, who knows? I... I feel like any one of about six cars could win, and I'm just going to list them off the top of my head. I feel like one of Go. the two Bentleys could win. I feel like the the Franz Leonard Vantor car could win. The the Boot Goats Parent Stracker car could win. The YNA Motorsports McLaren. The other uh, the other Audi the 74 with Mies Haas and Winkelhock, and both of the Porsches, all of the Porsches. So <laughs> so basically, the entire field could win this race. And there's a couple of cars in program we haven't discussed yet that could also be hitting me. There's more? There's more talent we haven't got? Oh, jeez. Let's, yeah. let's get to it then. So we're going we're gonna to try and be a bit more fluid with this now. So in the program class, we have a... This is where the proper mix of Australian versus the international talent really comes in because you have teams uh, like, for example, which are 
Audi Sport Customer Racing featuring Mark Sheeney, Dean Fiore, and Lee Holdsworth. Australian team, Australian drivers have been here so many times and are racing in a Pro-Am class against the likes of, just to pull a name out of the list, um, Nick Laventes, Lewis Williamson, uh, David Funarelli, three drivers, three Stracker drivers, and they've thrown into that team as well Cameron Waters, V8 supercar driver, which is a, a very <laughs> yeah. good quality team. Just a quick note on oh, Cameron yeah. Waters. Um, he started his racing career... Sorry, he, he started his V8 supercars career after winning a reality TV show. <laughs> that was... And he's, I was going to say, and he's finally figured out how to drive a supercar, winning, of course, last year at Sandown with Richie, Richie Stanaway. Which I'm surprised Richie Stanaway isn't here for this weekend, to be honest. Actually, that's a really good point. It could be because Aston's not here, and it could be because he's too busy trying to psych up for a supercar season. What better way to psych up for a supercar season than to drive 12 hours at Bathurst? Like, come good on. Point. Um, good point. Good point. But, but anyway, uh, another uh, a car that I'm super excited to see here um, this weekend again is uh, the Audi RA LMS of Pedro Lamy, Paul Dallalana, Matthias Lauda, and adding to that team, Australian V8 Supercars winner at Bathurst, uh, Will Davison. Driving, for some reason, that is in an Audi. <laughs> You've got to love Paul Dallalana. He's pretty much just going up to Audi's, Audi's headquarters going, Hey, um, Mr. Wolfgang, I've, I want to drive your car at Bathurst. By the way, I've got these two drivers with me. Do you mind if I come down? And He's going to say no to that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he did that last year with Mercedes. And is he yeah. also driving an Audi at Daytona this year as well? I feel like that might be happening. I feel too. like I feel like that is happening as well. Yes. Mm. So yeah, and you're adding and you're adding to that Will Davidson, who knows how to drive a car around this place. Yeah, definitely. I, I, and one of the best finishes at Bathurst we've seen in recent years was the 2016 event where Will Davidson managed to hold off. Shane Van Gisbergen uh, for the last 10 laps or so and it, it was a gap of like a tenth of a second at the end of the race. It was ridiculous and a great show of yeah. defensive driving from Will Davison. Hmm. You know, I've only just realised in the last couple of days how long Pedro Lamy's been driving for. Because he, he was an Audi LMP1 driver, wasn't he? Or at least a test he driver. In 19, he raced in 1999 at Le Mans oh. with Schneider. Wow, okay. He's raced, he raced Formula 1 before that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The pe- people overlook that, but he's been around the block so many times. I do not know how Paul Dallalana manages to keep Pedro Lamy and Matthias Lauda racing with him at all times. They must either just be the best buds ever, or Paul Dallalana must just have bottomless pockets. Could be both. I mean, money makes friends, right? <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, And also, if you are in the paddock... You can't miss Paul Dallalana. He is the biggest, baldest dude in the entire paddock, but he's also just a massive Canadian teddy bear. He was great. He was great mm. to talk with last year. Um, and like he, he's just a great guy to chat, have a chat with. And if if he would, I'd absolutely just sit in the pub with him, buy him yeah. a beer, and just chat with him all night. Oh, absolutely. There's another car here that I want to chat about. Yeah. And I'm surprised it's still in pro am. The number twelve competition motorsports. Yeah, yeah, that is a pretty surprising car to be in pro am. I mean, you got. I mean, you got your amateur driver David Calvert Jones, who owns the adding car. Adding to of that, course. adding to that, Patrick Long, who you know, Matt Campbell and Alex Davidson, three of the best Porsche drivers who aren't in, in the GT program. Yeah, basically. I mean, Pat Long's <laughs> always been one of those like Porsche customer guns for hire, and. 
Uh, and uh, quickly, we should mention this car finished second overall last year. Not second in pro am, yeah. second overall last year. Um, the only difference yeah. is that this car had Mark Lieb in it instead of Alex Davison. But then again, here is the question: Alex Davison has uh, experience in Porsche GT3 cars because he's won the Porsche GT3 Carrera Cup in Australia, and he has a lot of experience at the mountain. Is it so bad for him to be putting this car over Mark Lieb? I don't think so. I don't think so either in, in, in Pro-Am. If this was a pro car, then yes, because I don't rate Alex Davison as that much as that level of quality. But as a Pro-Am car, I'm absolutely behind that. Oh, same here. And, and Mark Lieb's still got a gig somewhere. He's racing in the Black Swan racing Porsche. We should talk about that car because that car is also a false pro. Like we have, in that, <laughs> yeah. we have in that car Tim Pappas, who I I believe is the am in that car. Um, and on top of that, you add Jerome Blakemolen, Lucas Stoltz, and Mark Lieb. Yeah, that is a false pro lineup. Like honestly, oh, it's it's just ridiculous. Nothing. <laughs> you got. I I can't describe how good those three are. And and if it's if it's a black swan car, it's gonna have an awesome livery as well. So I am super keen. Oh yeah. Expect plenty of photos from that car from me. Oh, yes. <laughs> now you're talking about, you know, this be very much being the Australia versus the world. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of cars here. You've got the which are run by privateer drivers in the GT championship here that are very much the Australian flavour. Yeah, definitely. You've got the objective racing McLaren, cars owned by Tony Walls, you've got Warren Luff, Tim Slade. And Jackson Evans, who's a name most people don't know, but he's a very promising young driver. I have heard this name. I've definitely heard this name. I'm trying to remember where I've heard this name from. Yeah, so he's a Kiwi. Of course he is. Another, Of course he is, yeah. He raced in Porsche Carrera Cup last year. Uh, he finished third in his debut round at Clipsal. Oh, I think oh. I just had a light bulb moment. Keep going. And he's just been racing last year in Carrera Cup. I think he finished fourth in the t- overall in the end. Okay. So he's a definitely promising young bloke. He's only bloody twenty odd. Jeez, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I remember seeing him in the the late Carrera Cup rounds, making a real push for the the top level, like the top sort of positions. Was it at yeah. Bathurst that- where he? Because they had the a uh, hundred kilometer race at Bathurst was that was it there where he was really pushing uh, like late in the late in the fray to push up like three or four positions in the last two laps or mm-hmm. something? Yeah, that was it. It was. Yeah. So he finished fifth overall. He won three races at Hidden Valley, just nice. cause, and he run in the last three races of surface. He had a first, a second, and a first. There you go. And yeah, that was it. So, if Porsche fans, Jackson Evans is a name that you should keep a bit of an eye on in the next few years. And in that mm. car, in, like in that car, the objective racing McLaren has been at Bathurst at least the last three years because I've seen it every year. And Warren Luff, again, a long-time V8 supercars, an Australian GT driver, he knows this place like the back of his hand. He, uh, I think, having him and Tim Slade in a car with someone young and fresh like Jackson Evans would do great for his development. So this this oh, yeah. is a really good. This is a really good car for Jackson Evans to be in. Hmm. And the other Australian car I was mentioning is Lago Racing. They've, Roger Lago's taken this car everywhere. He's even taken it to the Spa. Yeah. It's, a, it's an old yeah. school Galato REX. Like, this is this is an old car. Yeah. And he's got two old drivers with him, David Russell and Steve Ollman. 
and both of these drivers definitely have experience at the mountain as well. But yeah, I'm more excited to see uh, the other Galato REX uh, from is it is it Buick Motorsports? Is that how you say it? Buick, I believe so. Yep. Okay. Um. So this car is going to be driven by Luke Yulden and Thomas Eng as the the two uh like the next two drivers. But the first driver in that car is an amateur driver by the name of Yasir Shahin. Now, where I'm from, the Shahin, Shahin family is a big business family. They own, they own a lot of uh, like service stations and um, like those sort of things around Australia, uh, South Australia. And they are the they are the family that have built, commissioned, and built. The, the Bend, the Tail and Bend Motorsport Facility that is hosting a round of the Australian GT, a round of the V8 Supercars, and potentially in the future, there were talks about holding a round of the World Endurance Championship in South Australia at this facility. So, mm. And that, they're also trying to get motorbikes here as well, aren't they? Was uh, yeah? Um, they're talking about getting. There's the short circuit is actually um FIM like grade one. They could race MotoGP here if they wanted to as well. So that is awesome, and I'm keen to see oh, yeah. how he goes because because that family is just obsessed with motorsports. The reason they built the bend was to get motorsports happening here because we really mm. don't in South Australia at least we've only got like one kind of okay motorsport facility, and that is Mal uh, not Malala. Oh no, it is Malala, and it's kind yeah. of, it's kind of okay, I guess. It's not really like great. It's not the it's not the standard it's not the standard for supercars. Exactly, and you no, know, they did used to race supercars there until they had to bring in new safety regulations, and then of course Malala was kind of ripped off the calendar. Um, and like, yeah, we do have the Adelaide Five Hundred, which is a big ticket event, but we don't really have any other proper motorsport facilities. So to have now this Tail and Bend facility in South Australia is going to attract a lot more, I think interest mm. in South Australian motorsport, and then also South Australian interest in motorsport. So oh, yeah, and I, and so much so that I'm looking at getting over there for that round now that I can't go to the Sipsal. Hell yeah, man, come along. Hmm. Um. So, so that cut and Thomas Enger is a good pickup for that team, obviously being yeah. the old um rider engineering car. Obviously, mm. there's a link up there. Definitely. Uh, I think it's a good car. I don't think it's going to be competitive because I think the the fact that you've got basically two false pro teams in this in this uh yeah. in this field is going to uh make it. Way too competitive. So, who wins yeah. out of Black Swan and Competition Motorsports? Why, you know. <laughs> Funny you say that because I was actually because nah. I was actually going to say Straka. None of us have met Pedro Lamy and Paul Dallalana. No, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> this is even tougher to pick in the main class. It it is right. Um, I. Mm. Honestly, looking up and down that list, I think the best chance for like for an Australian group would be um, the competition motorsports with Matt Campbell, Alex Davison, David Calvert Jones, and Patrick Long, yep. of course. Um, and we haven't even talked about David Reynolds. Oh yeah, we haven't even talked about David Reynolds, <laughs> the like the most recent Bathurst One Thousand winner, <laughs> who's with three quality GT drivers. Yeah, definitely. I John mean, Martin, he, John Martin used to race an A1GP. Liam Talbot, who races a Porsche in the GT, Walkinshaw, or whatever they're called now, Walkinshaw and Ready United, Sangyong, Diesel, Hyundai, whatever. <laughs> and Mark Griffith, the car owner. 
and that car should that should definitely be a fun car if nothing else it should oh, yeah. definitely be a fun car yeah that's number 19 for you guys at home yeah so keep an eye out for that one as well liam talbot actually put in a really good stint last year in the uh the pro-am walkinshaw car and i was really impressed with how he was doing as well because after the um the pro car had problems and you know after it got hit by a tra- uh, traffic um that car that was the porsche leading hope for a lot of a lot of the time and they finished i think fourth in the end overall mm-hmm. so yeah that's definitely definitely a good a good team um they're not racing in a porsche anymore they're racing in a mercedes gt so we'll see how that goes and that should be that should be yeah. a, that should be a car with a lot of crazy colors on it as well because i feel like oh, um, yeah. mark griffith is- M- mark I believe he's associated with Hogsworth Cafe, so, you know, you're going to get a nice level of livery on that. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, and finally, there is the AM class. So there's only three entries at this stage in the AM class, two of them an Audi and one a Lamborghini. And this is this is proper, like, Australian amateur GT racing in this class. You've got the likes of... With a few names. With, a, with, with one or two pretty big names. Um, I'm going to start yeah. with... The names, uh, uh, the the last car on that list, the number sixty three uh, Audi R8 R8 LMS. I think this is the old Audi R8. Is it? Uh, yes, yes, it would be. Yeah, of the Condurus brothers, who are uh, stalwarts in amateur GT3 racing in Australia. And then you add to that uh, Devon Pediacci, who's another another one of the Australian GT guys, and Ash Walsh. Now, last year, Ash Walsh was the surprise packet in the shootout bringing the uh, Aston Martin that he was driving from eighth before the shootout up to third uh, on the green. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was geared up to race with uh, Tim Slade at Bathurst, but what happened was he was testing a prototype car at Phillip Island and was involved in a horrific accident. And absolutely, like, or I, I saw photos of the car afterwards and you couldn't even, like... It, there wasn't a car. It wasn't a car, exactly. And he had, like broken ribs, punctured lung, internal injuries. It was really quite distressing to hear about. And mm. he tried to race at Bathurst and got through half a practice session and called it quits, which was a real shame because he and Bathurst go together like strawberries and cream. They, for some mm. reason, when he gets in a car at this place, he does amazing things. Yeah, which is surprising because he never really turned it on in supercars. Yeah, he 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 was always kind of there or thereabouts, and I mean he had an opportunity at uh, Erebus right when they were going through a lot of logistical and company problems, and he I think had a bit of work before at B, uh, BJR, but never really sort of kicked on to do anything fantastic. So the fact that in a GT car he's able to turn it on at Bathurst, I think is really really good. Yeah. And that is a pretty good car. I want to talk about the Lamborghini, though, because there's a cut going, okay, Richard Gartner, Hadrian Morale, they're a couple of Australian GT amateur guys. Add to that David Wool, who won Career Cup last year, and some guy by the name of John Bow. Ever heard of him? I have a lot. <laughs> What's he doing here? <laughs> He's racing. He hasn't been able to race the past few years. I went. I ran into no. him in the paddock last year, and he had a broken hand. And I asked him about it. And he's like, "I'm so sick of this broken hand. All I want to do is get in a car, but I can't." Uh, so, so for those who don't know, John Bauer is he's basically Australian motorsport royalty. When you talk about the greats of Australian motorsport in the last 
30 years, you talk Brad Jones, you talk Dick Johnson, you talk like Craig Lowndes, even Stephen Richards, and you talk uh, John Bauer. And he is one of the, one of the best car, one of the best drivers that Australia has seen in, in terms of touring cars and in I terms think of he, GT as well. Yeah, and I think he just got inducted to the Hall of Fame last year as well. And very deservingly, absolutely deservingly. Yes. So this is just him going around going, yes, I'm back, boys, watch out. He's, and he still races in the bloody muscle car championship. The, the, Wouldn't you? The name of it now. Uh, the touring car oh, masters. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Touring car masters. He, he dominates in that too. Him and Steven Johnson just tear up the opposition. It's fantastic. And Jim Richards. Does Jim Richards still race? And Jim that? Richards. Yeah. Yes, he does. Well, I don't think. Oh, yes, he's racing the old beast. Yeah, the old big seven-liter Trizer Valley. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and the last car in that class, Audi R8, featuring uh, Australian again Australian GT drivers Ash Samadi, Daniel Gaunt, and Dylan O'Keefe. These are these are the AM AM classes. These are the guys who yep. are properly amateur drivers, and they're going to go out there and they're going to have a lot of fun. Yep, and Ash Samadi just. Well, he got chased by current affair last week, so he'll be glad to just be in a race car again. Yeah, basically. Um, so that kind of wraps up the GT3 portion of the Bathurst 12-hour, you know, after a long time going through all this. And I've got to say, even though we are missing the likes of, say, Bernd Schneider, uh, Tony Vilander, Mikasalo, Casamasa Chio, you know, those sort of guys, Darren Turner, even Stefan Mucha, who've been here in the past, we're still looking at one of the most obnoxiously talented groups of drivers to ever grace this event. And I feel like we <laughs> yep. could see, I feel like we could definitely see distance records and lap the records being broken here at Bathurst this weekend. Quite possibly. It do, I mean, it does rely a lot on how much replay running we can get, but it is very possible. Well, I mean, if you look at, if you look through the field, I don't think there is any name that sticks out of me uh, that is someone who is likely to not conducive to causing cautions. I mean, yes, traffic inherently is something that will cause trouble, mm. but uh, we have seen a significant reduction in the cautions, the yellow flags, over the last uh, year, two years even. And that's just because we don't have cars potting around at 40 seconds off the pace now. Exactly, definitely. If you haven't watched the Bathurst 12-hour before, this year is a perfect year to start doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's because we're just ridiculously stuck with GT3s. Uh, is that? There's that word again. Um, yeah. So, so it is, the Bathurst 12 is a multi-class event. We should talk about the other classes. There are two, we've already talked about the Invitational class. We've talked a little bit about the Class C, which is GT4 spec. We should, uh, but the class in between GT4 and GT3 is the Australian Carrera Cup class, basically. These are 991 Carrera Cup cars that are just a step below the 911 GT3. And they feature... They feature some uh, pretty decent names, uh, maybe not so much as they have in the past, but uh, the, there's one that mm. definitely sticks out to me, and that is uh, in the Grove car, the car that won in 2016, and unfortunately was retired after a big crash up on top of the hill last year, um, featuring Stephen Grove and Brendan Grove. Um, Again, Stephen Grove's basically the guy that wins all of the amateur Porsche Carrera Cup stuff in Australia. But they're and driving... usually pays drivers to come here and win this race for him too. And I mean, if you're going to pay someone to come here and win this race for you, Ben Barker is definitely not a bad choice. Yeah. 
I mean, he's taking it easy this year. He's got his son in there instead of getting someone like Alex Impiatore. <laughs> yeah. But Ben Barker is absolutely a demon. Uh, yeah, uh, he's uh, of course. Uh, people who follow the World Endurance Championship would know him from the uh, golf racing Porsche uh, throughout the season, driving that along with was it Wolf Hensler this year? No, golf was uh, Nick Nick Foster and and Michael Wayne face tomato nose. Um, yeah, and Nick. Fo- uh, I'm surprised actually. Nick Foster's not here because Nick Foster is an Australian as well. Yes, he is. That's actually a very good point. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so that would be definitely my pick for the, um, the GT3 Cup class. I'm just unsure about Brenton. Yes, he's good, but I don't know if he's got the quality. Do you I think see, they're looking at the rest you, of the class. Do you see Stephen Grove and Ben Barker being able to carry Brenton? Yes. I do too. Um, and... And honestly, the the talent in the rest of the class, I mean, there's a few names that I can pick out and recognize. I mean, Joe Foster, yes. Charles Putman, yes. Chris Vanderdrift, kind of. Daniel Studdard, yeah, I guess. But there's no other name that really pops out at me as someone that I should recognize and I should know. Mm. Oh, I do think that the wall racing car will be competitive. That's Putman, Esplard, and Foster. We talk about them a lot in America. And they normally do okay. And in a class of five, okay is probably going to be good enough to get a decent result. Um, exactly. Uh, I just like this class because, like, hey, Porsche's at Mount Panorama. Like, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're a Porsche fanboy, you can love it, of course. I love it. It's just so good. <laughs> Flat six is the best kind of engine. Um, mm. So, yeah. It's just a shame the class is still so small. Yeah, well, I mean, we did have eight entries in 2016, and it got reduced to six last year. It's reduced again to five this year. I'm, I'm beginning to get to the point where I'm, because it, it's not like to say the 991 class in Creventic, which can be filled with 20 or 30 entries on the Nordschleife or you know 10 entries at Dubai. It's not that sort of class. We don't have that level of interest in mm. 911 club racing that doesn't also get funneled into GT3. So I'm beginning to... I wouldn't be surprised if next year it either gets mushed into Invitational or it just doesn't come along at all. And and the other problem with this class, you've actually got the two types of cars. You've got the older Carrera Cup style and the new one, 997 as well. Yeah, that is... Which further dilutes the quality. Mm, and that, is, that is a little bit of a problem. Um, but on the other hand... Porsches at Mount Panorama, I, I guess. Look, <laughs> it, it's it's hard to see a lot of positives in a class that's so small with, uh, and compared to the talent that you've got around it. Um, I just mm-hmm. hope I just hope that none of them end up causing a massive incident. Basically, yeah, it's kind of like uh, they're kind of like furniture for the weekend, I guess. Just really fast furniture. <laughs> Mobile chicanes, you could call actually, them. actually, if you go to a place in America, you probably see a few people riding around on eskies. <laughs> yes, yes, you will. Um, and the, the final class that we haven't gotten talking about yet is the GC4 class. Now, we've already mentioned the fact that we've got the new Porsche, well, we've got some updated Porsches. We've got the new BMW M4 GT4 uh, here this weekend. And we've also got two KTM crossbows, which is awesome to see, and a few mm-hmm. Genettas as well. 
Um, and most of who are missing drivers at the moment. Yeah, there's, there's still a, a few drivers to be announced at this point. So we're recording this just just over a week out from the event. But there are a few names that immediately pop out to me as things that we should be taking notice of. And the first one is in the number 13 car featuring mm-hmm. Kuno Whitmer uh, of IMSA fame in, I believe, the Viper a few seasons ago. Rings a bell, doesn't it? Uh, let me just do, let me just do a quick Google. Viper Exchange Racing. Mm, yep. There you go. And he's also been a... Uh, he's also a BMW factory driver, of course, now, which is why he's racing the um, the GT4 here, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I think this is the GT4's first outing, is it? Um, the BM- the BM- I, I'm not sure. I feel like they might have done a race at Dubai. Okay. So that was uh, the second weekend of the year, so I feel like they may have uh, debuted there, but I'm not entirely sure. Or they, uh, but they. I feel like they even had, um, uh, they even had a prototype of the GT4 at, um, at the Nurburgring, or was that the Mercedes GT4? That was the Merc Four. Okay. Well, yeah. So it, this could possibly be, yeah, the first race for the the um, BMW. Mm. I mean, and while that car's good, the car, the BMW car number thirty is even more recognizable names isn't it for australians definitely for australians that has oh, yeah. definitely some very famous names in australian motorsport so it has uh aaron seaton son of glenn seaton probably the best driver mm-hmm. to never win the bathurst 1000 mm-hmm. matt brabham son of david brabham son of he's, he's Jack possibly brabham. also the best He's possibly also the best driver ever to win a thousand because he never raced in it because he was busy winning busy winning everything else. Yeah, busy winning Le Mans. So Brabham, of course, yeah. being being a very, a very famous uh, family in um mm-hmm. in world in world motorsports, not just Australian motorsports and world motorsports. Yeah, and and then to to round that car off, you have Tony Longhurst, one of the longest serving Australian racing drivers ever. Basically, um, is. The video of him going around in a BMW M3 in 1985 at the Wellington Street Circuit. Wow! Did, didn't he? Didn't he and uh, Jim Richards get paired up together and win Bathurst in like 2003? I think yes. it was like it was like the it was like the old guys versus all of the younguns, and the and they won. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, they finished. Yeah, he won it with Scafie in 2001. He um, finished fifth to Jimmy Richardson in 2003. He finished seventh in 2006, and that was his last Bathurst. He's raced in Bathurst since 83. Jeez, that's a long time. And last year he was racing in that um, Stephen Richards BMW that we mentioned right at the beginning, um, along with Timo Glock. And Oh, sorry, not with Timo Glock. No. Yeah, Timo Glock's Gaffin Ingle. Oh, wow, really? Oh, yeah, because he was, that was the, the yeah. other BMW, wasn't it? That was the one that yeah, he ran himself. Yeah. That was the one that Ingle yeah. crashed. Oh, that was Yes, right. it was. Oh, now you made me sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a little bit sorry. So for for fans of Australian motorsport, that is a very good car to keep an eye on, not just for, for the names in the car, but also for the future. Aaron Seaton and Matt Brabham are great up-and-coming drivers, not just because of their names, but because of the, mm. their ability as well. Yeah, Matt Brabham's problem at the moment is he needs to find something to concentrate on because he drives anything and everything. Is that such a bad thing, though? I mean, like, 
mean, when, when, when those... drives anything and everything. I mean, I suppose when everything and everything includes super trucks in this case. Hey, I think the super trucks are cool, and I would not mind hey. winning a race no, in that. They're cool. There's better spell removers and four as you can get. Yeah, but <laughs> but in terms of like racecraft and like contact between cars, this is true. Like you, you gotta you gotta learn sometimes that discretion is the better part of valor, and also sometimes that screw discretion, just throw it in there. And I feel like Stadium <laughs> yeah. Super Trucks is the perfect perfect environment to do that. <laughs> That's true. Very true. Um, any other names that you can sort of pick out of that list? I mean, I can kind of... I, I look at the KTM Motorsport car and I see Tim Macro, which is a name that I recognise. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I see Dean Former, Grimes in a BMW. Yep. Caitlin Wood, who's a female who's always been racing the crossbows around the world. She's a She was part of Lamborghini's Young Driver program, I believe. Oh, there you go. So, there you go. I, I, is this the first time in the last... Well, at least... The first time I would have... Oh, no, wait, wait, we had Leanne Tander last year as well. Of course. We did. Mm. Of course. She crashed into... She crashed into... Well, her she crashed into by car crashed into yeah. her husband's car, which I th- yeah. I still uphold is hilarious. <laughs> it is fantastic. And the dinner that night would have been awkward as hell. Just a little bit. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like what we have uh, two, four, six... Eight. We've got 10 cars in the GT4 class, including three Genettas with not a lot of drivers announced yet for Genetta. So it, we could actually see a proper battle in the GT4 class for the first time. Yeah. It has been in the past just kind of run away with by the Porsches. Mm. And there's no Porsche. Oh, there's, there's just the one came in this year. Yep. Um, it'd be great to see a competitive class. And GT4 is booming in the world scene now. So it'd be mm. great to see where this goes. I feel like it's going to it's going to replace the Carrera Cup class next year. I feel like we're going to have 15 GT4 entries and no Porsche Carrera Cups. That's what I feel like it's Quite going possibly. to Quite hey, possibly. I wouldn't be too sad with that. Not at all. I, f- I feel like it adds an extra dimension. Um, you know, bigger classes mm. gives you more competition, which also means more entertainment, I feel. Yes. And that's half of what motorsport's about. Mm, definitely. Uh, at least if you're at the track, it's definitely what it's all about. Um, yeah. and, and I and I think I just realised something. I think Aaron Seaton, we talked about before, he might be involved with Penske actually working there. Ooh. Yeah, I'm just looking at his Facebook. He's got a picture of um the Penske's Penske team. Couldn't ask for a better people group of people to work with. That is really so that exciting. might be interesting. And that's interesting for the future. Who knows where he might end up? Keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah. So, so we've gone through we've gone through all of the cars now. Um, gone through a lot of the important stories. Who are you most excited to see this weekend? Uh, this weekend racing. Oh, I would. I am so excited to see Gizzy back in the McLaren. <laughs> that's that's just the easy answer, though. Everyone's excited to see Gizzy back behind yeah, the McLaren. True. True. I'm excited. I'm also excited to see Scotty in the McLaren. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. I mean, he's <clears throat> raced. He he was one of the drivers in 2016 that won with Grove. Um, in that car was Stephen Grove, Scott McLaughlin, Earl Bamber, and yeah, and some. Oh no, it was just those three. And we basically said if that car doesn't win, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. 
And they did win. And they didn't win. They smashed the opposition by 15 laps. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah. I Which is am... basically the distance to Orange. <laughs> yeah. I am most excited to see Maxi Book at Bathurst. I mm-hmm. feel like... Uh, for one of the best GT3 drivers to have never been to Bathurst before, I I want to I want to go talk to him and I want to ask him about this track because every it's one of my favorite things to do when oh, someone's coming here for the first time just to just ask how just, they see the track because, and just to see just to see the eyes open wide going holy crap what is this place you guys are mad absolutely um yeah there's another thing I'm looking really looking forward to and we didn't mention the drivers and the marked cars. But there's okay. some really interesting names in there. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I've, I mean, I'm interested to see how the how the Mustangs go. But people like Will Will Brown. Um, what else we got? We got James K coming over from the UK. Oh, really? Oh, there you go. Yeah, and Will Brown who's stepping up into supercars, and I think he's got a co-drive potentially lined up. Oh, that's um, exciting. Keith Kasuki as well in that uh, in that car. Yep. I feel like he's involved with the ownership of Mark. He is. Yep. Yep. And he's very much. He's actually a PNG driver. Oh wow! Hey, there you go. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And then of course the Donut King car. Ah oh, yes. We haven't. Why have we not talked about this? Uh, <laughs> It's 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 like the foxtail of the Bathurst Twelve Hour. There's always one car yes. in pink and black with Donut King plastered on it. It's fantastic. Ah, oh, it's so obnoxious. Year, I love it. And this year, it's got the Donut King and Tony Alford, and the Donut Prince and his son Carl Alford. <laughs> that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. And that's going to be the Mustang as well. That's going to be the Mark Two. Yes, it is. Oh, yes, that's going to be amazing. Be prepared for many photos of that car, guys. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm I'm excited to see I'm excited to see Nick Rowe in the uh, Mark car as well. Uh, he's a mm. um, uh, F- Formula Ford moved to Formula Three, I think Australian Formula Three driver yep. now, and he is uh, very young and very talented. So um, he was ra- he raced here last year as well. So I've, I I've been keeping soft tabs on his career, and I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah, yeah, and Will Brown is driving with the Airbus and the Enduro, so. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, so yes, so there's definitely some decent, decent names in that class. Yeah, Jordan loves another one. And they came from Formula Four. And there's still another car of uh, cars worth of names yet to be announced. And I, you know what? I kind of wish Leanne Tander gets uh, named in that car, and they collide with Garth Tander's car again because, because it's just. It'd be bitter. It'd be bitter. It'd just be funny. <laughs> It'd be funny if they were both at the wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be just a little bit. <laughs> um, so yeah, I the the Mark cars. We go on about the Mark cars every year. The Mark cars are one of the best things about the Bathurst Twelve Hour. If you haven't seen them before, you need to keep an eye out for them, and you should start seeing them pop up all over the world in Creventic, in like the uh, the Nurburgring. I'm not sure if they've been to the Nurburgring yet, but expect someone to take one of them to the Mervegring because they are endurance kit cars with a stonking oh. great V8 engine in it. It's beautiful. Especially, especially these Mustangs. Absolutely. I, I think those Mustangs look ridiculous. They're ridiculous in the best way possible, that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it finally comes to the end, I feel. It finally comes to the end. So, how are you, you going to watch it? So, if you're in Australia, it is on 7, mate. It's on free-to-air TV. And, yes, yeah. that is actually the name of a TV channel in Australia. Mate! 
Um, and that will that will have commentary from the Radio Le Mans team plus Richard Crail and um, Shay Adam and uh, is it uh, Chad Nalon and. Yeah, and probably Mark Breeder as well. Probably Mark Breeder as well. I feel like there's someone that I'm missing yep. that would be Australian uh, in the pits. So you'll get all that commentary. If you're international, they'll be streaming it live on the Bathurst 12-hour website for the entire duration. I feel like there's also going to be Nismo TV. No, Nismo TV won't because they're not here. So you'll only Nismo be able to... TV. I think, think Nismo TV is still up. Okay. Well, in that case, if you don't like the Bathurst 12-hour website, you can stream it on YouTube perhaps. Um, that I'm will be that, that will be ad free as well, I think. Um, mm-hmm. whereas, um, also, this does in, this does include Saturday as well. Yep. So Saturday, of course, uh, qualifying shootout, the Alan Simonson Pole Award, which we haven't talked about. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's a really really cool initiative that they've um, named the shootout pole position award after Alan Simonson, who has, who did come to Australia and win this event uh, one or two times in a row, I think. Um, and, and he also raced mm-hmm. in the, in the 1000 with the likes of Craig Lowndes as well. So it's very, very touching tribute um, to have that award named after him. Um, yeah. And hopefully, hopefully the internationals also get the, um, the support series broadcast as well because they will that they will because that is awesome and i think the fact that they got broadcast last year is one of the coolest things that happened throughout <laughs> yeah. the event because that that improved production race was just amazing it's amazing advertisement for <laughs> for up and coming australian motorsport it was and i can confirm two weeks ago they announced on uh show you see they are covering the 12 hours on tv fantastic so if you're around the sub, we'll of course have uh, race threads. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to be up on uh, WC or on Blank Pain this year. We'll keep you posted. Um, there's probably going to be competition involvement with the Fantasy WEC competition as well. Uh, that's yet to be confirmed. <laughs> so if I've thrown MW Clarkson under the bus, I'm sorry, but not. You just that want to win sorry. another bloody prize, don't you? I mean, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and thank if, you, Clark, for putting me in the crap for getting you, getting me to get his address for you. <laughs> yeah, that was. Don't do that again. Um, and finally, uh, if you are going to be at the track, uh, come and say hi. I will be putting up a meetup thread um, with my location and my Twitter handle and my phone number. Uh, I'll, I'll send that around to people who are interested. Come meet up. Come meet other people uh, can start putting some faces to the, the usernames like the the way that i came to this event first time was just messaging kiwi and uh, reddit's worst night over reddit and just saying hey you're australian let's go to the 12 hour together and we did and last year we met more people we met uh stealth wec and gruso as well um and it's just really cool to be able to put a mm. tangible person to to the username so come yeah. say hi please and and if you really don't want to watch the race then come with me to my brother's wedding instead and we can watch <laughs> racing in the tablet while he's taking his vows you poor poor soul and on that note yeah. i feel like it's time to end the show before we start getting any more sad for kiwi <laughs> thank you very <laughs> thank you very much for coming along recording me with recording with me this tonight kiwi I got there in the end. And that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good one. Bye.